touchy-feely robotic sensors for strange words to start the show uh but we will be talking about um some new technology that's come out that's allowing robots to feel because stuff isn't moving fast enough already so now they know what they're touching get away from me robots uh this is interesting though to be fair there's also a blockchain game that i have been obsessed with this week problematically obsessed with it, i would say uh, it's called pixels it's beginning to take over my life but interestingly it is uh the second game to release on the chain that uh, is owned by Sky Mavis, who um, created Axie Infinity. So it's, it's blowing up. It's a cool game. It's actually really, really good. I think it's quite interesting to dive into. So we're going to look at that. And then, of course, the release of the Humane AI pin, which is kind of like the Nokia 3310 meets the year 3000, in my opinion. Are you going to get one? We'll find out. Um, Robin is here, of course. Um, so yeah, we're going to dive into all these uh, interesting stories. Of course, I, I've missed the last ones, and I've missed you, my friend. It's been it's been a while. It has it's been a while. This thing called life happens, and then you get really busy, and then you you can't kind of check in for a regular chat about all things metaversal and metaversy. Exactly. And then suddenly you realise that it's like, oh, it's all changed again. <laughs> it's crazy. It is hilarious, isn't it? Um, especially as well, like the amount of uh, like physical products that are coming out, like all these headsets. It was only, what, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago since the Quest 3 came out. And now we've got this humane AI pin. Like the the stuff that's been rolled out is moving at a ridiculous pace, which is exciting. It's cool. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. We'll start with um, Touchy Feely Robots, I think, because it's uh, clearly the most absurd uh, story. Now, we know that AI and machines using AI, <clears throat> I physical robots, can deal with audio and visual inputs. ChatGPT alone is doing that. You can give it a picture and ask it about it now, which is pretty interesting. But scientists have developed um, a robot sensing system. They say can distinguish between multiple types of fabric, including corduroy. I'm glad that's in there. Uh, uh, in work that they hope uh, may bring a detailed sense of touch to robots and maybe later to virtual reality in some form. So to quickly give you an idea of what this is, it's the system that is inspired by how human skin, especially fingertips, can feel and identify objects by detecting static pressure and high frequency vibrations. This is something that hasn't really ever been done before. We've had haptic technologies where you can feel like the weight of stuff generally and, and simulated in vibrations. But this is kind of a step um, further. So uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. There's obviously some Really interesting use cases around prosthetics and if uh, you have a prosthetic limb but you don't have a sense of touch uh, in that limb then maybe this technology can help simulate stuff whether it can feed that back to you directly doesn't seem clear doesn't seem like that is the what's going on here it's more that the robot can identify it so um that's one use case but also when we think about the future of robots in our homes and in our houses and being able to kind of navigate around uh physical spaces and solve problems the sense of touch you almost forget how important that is um so yeah it's pretty interesting this what are your thoughts yeah it's it's a really it's a, it's a strange one i want to see it in action i couldn't find a video of this but it basically gathers the data it needs by sliding across the surface of the material that it's trying to identify and also i don't know how long it takes it to identify that but it is able to identify a range of 20 fabrics including a khaki trench coat twill cloth and corduroy it's very important to be able to identify corduroy. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> it's the 1970s and the robots invade. It's very important that we can. Yes, uh, my father used to rock rock corduroy, like, and and he used to he was an English Oxford professor, Oxford English professor. There you go. 
Uh, and he was he's like the, the walking cliche. He had a, a jacket with elbow patches and they were velvet. So this robot would have been able to tell exactly what kind of English professor he was by his jacket. He'd know that he was very smart just by being able to touch the outfit he was wearing. But yeah, the, the, you can just imagine this thing just like gently rubbing itself backwards and forwards across the fabric. It's going to look weird, isn't it? The thing is, the thing is, like, it's not what this is now, it's where it goes. Because obviously that that sense of touch is one of the most sensitive and magical things that we have, that ability to just to detect even the slightest kind of rays of an object or um, with our eyes closed, we can sort of just understand the world through touch. It's pretty magical, really. And if, if robots can do that, um, then then that sort of bridges the gap between humans and robots in a different way. I, I You know, I think we... We tend to think of robots as being separate to ourselves, as being <clears throat> a new species or a new kind of subculture within, yeah, and a new species within this, you know, the world that we call home. My personal feeling is that it's much more likely that, as you touched on, we'd have prosthetics, and that as the world of body modification moves ever more towards smart implants and objects that can can do more and be more. You might find these things starting to find their way into some really strange body mods. I, I I find all that stuff fascinating. I think it's it's much more likely that that's where <clears throat> these things tend to find a home. Maybe through medical um, medical needs case use cases, or you know, uh, helping someone touch again. But it's pretty remarkable that all of these things are possible. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, um, and, and you're right to think about. Uh, often, people, when you see a story like this, you you sort of judge it for what it is in the moment. But actually, the the real craziness about this is where it'll be in in a year or or more, isn't it? It does say here that the re- the recognition results from the sensory system can be displayed in real time on a visual inf- interface. So it is being able to apparently detect in real time, which is which is mad. Yeah, you're going down the sort of health, maybe surgery route, and those sorts of things, or dangerous environments, and and these. These use cases have been talked about, but yeah, pretty interesting. Yes, dangerous environments where you, you discover corduroy. Yes, dangerous fashion environments. Like, there's corduroy on the moon. There's corduroy on Mars. <laughs> I found some. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> just at a really high-end weird fashion party. Just send in the robot, check out the vibe. Um, here's a couple of weird notes that just popped into my brain whilst uh, this subject came up. Um, I saw, a, <laughs> this is really weird. I saw a video go viral on TikTok. This is so true where it says, you, if you look around the room at everything, all the objects in the room, you automatically, if you were to mad, imagine yourself licking them, you'd know exactly what texture everything is. And I was like, what? And then you do it. And it's exactly right. Even if you've never licked it before. How weird? Isn't that strange? That is, that's odd. Isn't that weird though? It's true. You, imagine a few, you can imagine a future in which the most sophisticated version, the most evolved version of humanity is just a, a, a blank face but with a huge yeah. tongue. And that's how we interface yeah. with the world. Anyway, that's pretty cool. Let's talk about um, the game I've been obsessed with, shall we? Yes. Let's talk about the, the new way you found to debase yourself. <laughs> yeah, to debase my time. Um, so I think this is interesting because obviously we've talked in previous episodes and as I look back through our episodes, it was only a couple of weeks ago where we were questioning whether we were at the beginning of the next cycle. It seems pretty clear that we are now. The market has been very sort of um, choppy, but in an upwards direction. Anyway, you start to look for the trends that are coming through. We've had the Web3 Gaming beginnings in the last cycle. Axie Infinity, for anyone who doesn't know, was a, uh, a game which really, really blew up. I think it had 
over 2 million users a day at its peak. It was valued, uh, you know, market cap of the tokens of tens of billions uh, by Sky Mavis and really was an amazing experiment of kind of NFT ownership in games. It's like a, a virtual pet battling game. It did amazing. It then sort of crashed back down because it was the first time really that people ex- had experimented with uh, digital economies in this way. They've been in games a long time before. But anyway, it was a really interesting experiment. The next, we're now starting to see the next cycle pick up. And I often think that usually what kind of hits, what is the narrative of the next cycle is something that is has existed before. NFTs didn't appear, uh, you know, at the beginning of the last cycle, they've been around for a while. And then it kind of has gone through some experimentation and it comes back. Anyway, with all of that in mind, there is a new game uh, called Pixels, which has been building actually for a couple of years, um, but recently moved to the Ronin blockchain, which is the same blockchain that Axie Infinity and the creator Sky Mavis were on. That aside, it is interesting to me for a few reasons. So this is um, essentially a farm simulator game, which I never thought I'd get into. I thought this is, you know, one of those silly mobile games that you wouldn't pick up, but it's really nostalgic. It is all pixel art. So you walk around, if you ever played Pokemon Go and Pokemon Blue on the Game Boy back in the day, it's very much that vibe. Um, Plus Farmville on Facebook, which was also massive if anyone remembers that. But it's the first thing that caught my attention is that it's completely browser-based. So you can play this really well on desktop, mobile, on your iPads, whatever. You can sign up with an email. You can just get into the game and you walk around and you meet a few people who give you kind of early quests and they give you some seeds to grow. And then you enter the main kind of town of this game. And there's loads of people playing there. As I say, it's got 100,000 daily users um, at the moment. And and they've integrated a lot of NFT collections. So people are walking around in pixel versions of their NFT characters, which is interesting. And there's all these different quests within the village. So you meet people who are in the game and they give you quests to go and grow things or make a uh, grumpkin spiced latte for a lady called Karen in her house. They're all quite funny, the quests. Um, or you can make a chair for an old man and you need to gather the resources to make these things to complete the quests. Now the resources, stay with me here, are you have to gather them from various farmlands, which you can go and visit. Now, you don't need an NFT to play this game, but if you want to own land, and I should say I do own land, um, all the farms are NFTs that people own. And as you gather resources on their various different lands, you have to explore to get the right ones. They earn a surplus of the resources that are farmed on their land. So that's kind of one thing that's going on. And there is a real economy in this game. So you can go and trade resources on an open marketplace or with others. And there is a a token, which you can cash out, but the token is called Berry. And it's designed to be very easily accessible to anyone. It's not really, it's not worth much at the moment, but they are introducing a new token later. But they've, they've really kind of nailed this gaming loop of being able to come in as a player who doesn't care about blockchain or entities at all, play the game and enjoy it. And then if you want to sort of participate in actually the monetized economy and complete the quests and go further in the game, you can. Final point I'll say on it is uh, alongside all these quests and kind of the farming elements, there's also uh, there's a carnival you can go where you can go play loads of mini games and you can, uh, like you would at a real fun fair, you can win tickets. And at the moment, you can then go and check those tickets to see if you um, have won anything. Uh, one of the things you can win is a pet um, NFT, which is part of the game. And they're selling for about $1,400 at the moment, but you can go and try and get one totally for free, which um, brought me into it. And last of all, sorry, I've rambled a long time here. Really interesting um, Yuga Labs integration. So there is a whole separate quest where you can go and mine resources on the other side plots. So you can actually go on OpenSea 
um, and look at the numbers uh, of the open side, other sides plots. So Yuga Labs is, is Metaverse that they're building. And they've all got traits for the resources, which you can see on OpenSea. So you can go and put the number of the, the NFT into the world and it's you go land on a pixel land and all the resources that are part of the NFTs are on that land. So you can go in and get them. So when we talk about like the metaverse idea of being able to have a world where other people can kind of plug into um, and you can go and chat. And also there's the correct amount of like game loops for any newcomers to come in, whether you care about that stuff or not, but also to be able to then have these other kind of crossover economies. That's what it's doing at the moment. It's doing it really, really well. It's really interesting because obviously it's not full VR hyper-realistic, but it's it's like the first version of a really good metaverse. It just happens to be pixel 2D, which is nostalgic. That's my ramble on it. Not financial advice, of course. I own some land. Um, all of that is clear. But yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen anything on this, Robin, or just what your your initial thoughts on hearing that are. I hadn't, I hadn't seen it because uh, I've been... I mean, there's too much to cover all over the place, but this is why we have these chats because there's there's clearly there's clearly some interest here. The 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 thing you brought up was Axie Infinity. So Axie Infinity did blow up, and I guess people kind of looked at it like it was a like a Pokemon basically kind of game. The problem with Axie was that it, what happened was a lot of communities, particularly in Vietnam, I seem to remember, started farming. And and basically playing the game for for cash, because you could you know you could grind and seriously grind, and in those kind of those kind of countries, the the amount you could earn would actually you know pay your bills. So collectors, it, it became professionalized very very quickly. And but you also had these guilds, so guilds would spring up, and the guilds would have resources and assets that you could rent off them, and then play the game. And you'd obviously have to pay a tithe or a, or a tax to the guild for the benefit of using them. And that blew up. It just, it just, it became a bubble and it just collapsed horribly. So all those people who were kind of relying on it for their income were unable to do so anymore. So it's interesting to see this. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. It's sort of nailed the casual gamer component. It hasn't tried to be this thing of immersive, because whenever anyone talks about the metaverse, they always use the word immersive. But I, I have a problem with that because, you know, when I read my kids a story at bedtime, that can be immersive and it doesn't have to be a headset you wrap around you. So casual games are kind of important. Does it have a mobile version, just out of curiosity? You can use it on your web browser on mobile, so it works absolutely fine with that. Oh, okay, so, so, so effectively, yes. Um, but you still, yeah, so you could... You can log in with your wallet. Yep. And so it can then read. I'm just looking at land now. Mm -hmm. We should say with Axe as well, although it did massively correct, it's still going strong today. And uh, they basically, you know, I think we're experimenting and learning about what economy works so that it can't all be sort of speculation because that won't be sustainable. But playing this game, you, you begin to understand how I want to equally progress in the game. And also, as I do that, maybe I'll be, I'll be earning some money that i can trade it's like the people who are coming in if they want to buy the resources off you that you've spent the time getting they can do that and you you know i'm not expecting it to to be my job obviously but it's it just works and it's it's got the right amount of me wanting to go back to it and the bonus of kind of having economy it's just really really interesting it's interesting to see how these economies are developing what resources are becoming valuable well it, it's it's interesting it's interesting because it's being used it's interesting because people are playing it so i'm looking at like if, you, if i want to buy some land it's going to cost me $1,300 for a plot of land. 
So 0.7 ETH at this point in time. So interestingly, so there are some benefits to land, which you mentioned about the resources, getting 1% of what's farmed on there, but also they have a VIP membership in the game, which um, they're working out the price for, but it's something like £10 a month. And that gives you quite a lot of the same benefits, but some slightly different that you don't get if you're just a landowner. So they, they're not relying on like a sort of pyramid style scheme of new people coming in. They have like a, actually um, a, a subscription model, basically, which is is what is bringing in the income. And then it, and that's nice because it's not based on just speculation. Okay, so and what 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 do you get for the subscription? Because I mean, yeah, obviously, every, everyone that's working in Web three is trying to figure out revenue models here, and you have to figure out what players are willing to to give you for the for the you know for the game. But you're absolutely right. I think what, what's interesting here is being able to plug in other IP, um, bringing in you know having a, a Yuga side quest because the other side land there's like a hundred thousand pieces of land, and there may well be more in the future um, as they try and make this into like a, a global game. Um, but we're still a long way off being able to do that. But I, I do have some other side land and it will be interesting to see how that could be farmed. I, you've kind of got me here. And I tell you, I, the, the, the reason you've got me here is because it's really easy to kind of get lost in the, in the weeds with metaverse stories and, and all this kind of 3D internet kind of thing. But this simple Web3 mechanic that can make you know as, as we as we hopefully believe is that web3 can actually make things better and the idea of owning your own stuff can intrinsically does have merit if we can figure out how to make it work you kind of need to see games that that are successful and and if this is managing to get that many players in that's pretty good most web3 or nft properties don't get anywhere near that like Web3 gaming generally is pretty poorly attended um, or it's just farmed senseless and then people move on so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Like it is, it's interesting. We'll see if they can sustain it, and um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's it's pretty. It's it's definitely the yeah the one that I've played that I have voluntarily gone back to myself, which I can't really say of too much else at the yeah. moment. Um, okay, I I'm I'm intrigued because I, I I feel like it could be the subject of a video. Yes, and I and I want to dig deeper and go further. But the other question I have for you is how how social is it uh in the sense of in game or community wise yeah in game uh, yeah, yeah so you can chat uh in game they did originally have a voice and video chat but they actually uh stopped it on an earlier version cuz uh for various reasons but you can you can chat and i and i i think they do want to add they are obviously adding lots of things as time goes on but it's not yeah the it's basically text chat so it's, it doesn't feel massively social yet but like i'm in a whatsapp group with other people guys and girls interestingly as well my girlfriend got really into it she's a great test of stuff because she doesn't really care about any of this world you know the web3 nft side of stuff but i showed her this and she was we were obsessed with it and i'm in a couple of groups and we're all talking about like what we've got and blah, 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 and you can trade with each other it's, it's just sometimes you get a bit of a sense of stuff i might be wrong of course but there's there's definitely something really interesting here. Yeah, what's the what's what's the token called? Uh, it is called Berry. It's on CoinGecko, but probably at the bottom. Uh, but that so that token is designed basically everybody who joins it's it's deliberately got a massive supply and keeps adding supply, so it's like easy to acquire for new people. That's not going to be the one that's massively valuable. They're introducing a new token called Pixel for which is going to be airdropped to landholders. Uh, airdrop to everybody, sorry, but there's like a multiplier with the landholder. Anyway, it gets a bit complicated, but that will get interesting. So I think that's also why the land at the moment price is rising because people are interested in what's coming next. So we'll see. I am interested. 
So <clears throat> I had a chat with the team at Nifty Island this week, and that's another project where I think there's something really interesting going on because it's it's more it's it's still casual gaming, but they they have these fun gaming templates. You can introduce all sorts of different Web three IP, and then everyone can kind of jam and play together. So you can have cool cats or board apes or you know any any project that has a three D gaming asset with it and then they can all just go and play casual games together and crucially you don't have to buy land land is free so you can just go and build your own experience on it and they just seem like they've kind of set it up right and when you actually see the games being played it just looks fun as hell and that's basically what we want we want we want to be able to kind of mash all these communities together and play these casual games so i did ask them about the monetization strategy for the games it's a little complicated but I'm also kind of rooting for them as well and hoping that they can make it work because there, there is so much there's so much goodwill within NFT communities and that idea of player liquidity it doesn't really work with an individual community but if you have you know a, a whole bunch of communities that all come and play together then there is something there and that that could potentially scale so mm. it's definitely interesting it's a really difficult balance it's so hard to satisfy a casual user just wants to play the game make sure it's fun and go through the game loops versus somebody who cares about ownership and maybe has more benefits that way but doesn't screw the new player. Do you know what i mean like that is such a that's why it was so difficult but they so far they're getting it right but also just yeah final point is like i think we might look back at the last cycle when it comes to nfts at least and it will be quite or it look quite hilarious that really we bought all these things that didn't do anything and although they represented like community ownership at the time and memes and culture and that's all kind of valid to a degree the gaming ethos like it just it does maybe i'll be eating my words later but it does feel like sort of where this all goes to because if you've got something you know you own a character and then you can socialize with it in game and earn with it and everything else that feels like where this is all heading you know but we weren't there in the last cycle so we'll see we'll see yeah well how, how many projects said they were going to build a game and they didn't so with these platforms i mean we never said we were going to build a game and we have built a game and we are now a game development company I never expected to be there, but it was sort of this logical extension of what we were doing using Unreal and getting good at using Unreal and then Fortnite becoming the platform on which we could deploy the Unreal experiences that we have created. There's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff going down on Fortnite, which we should pick up in a, in a future episode because it's not being plain sailing. It's being quite tough, all of that. But I do like this idea of lightweight, easy to build on, platforms that are web3 friendly where there is enough volume of players if you you know create a federation of players from different communities that can come together um and actually just now i remember it clone x is uh the clone is artifacts releasing their Fortnite game on the 21st of november so like in four days yes that looks interesting doesn't it yeah um i know you are also a, a clone fan oh i didn't i didn't bring my shoes i'm so sorry i've got you know i've got the what the artifact Oh, yeah, you did an amazing video. We talked about all the uh, full Air Force One collection. And yeah, it was a brilliant video. Definitely encourage people to check that out if you're interested in catching up with what Artifact do, but also mainly looking at that awesome collection. It was, it was a strong review. Cool. All right, should we move on to the Humane AI pin? Let's move on to the Humane AI pin. This broke the internet this week. So the Humane AI pin is basically this wearable device that they are saying will replace your smartphone. And it basically magnetically attaches to your lapel or your trouser pocket or wherever you want it to be. But it, primarily, you can see it. It's it's outside your clothing. And it has an onboard camera 
It has AI built in, in, inside. And what you're supposed to do is talk to it, tap it, um, and then it will give you information about the world. With the camera, it can see things in your hand, identify them, and then give you information about them. It can take pictures as well. And then it has a laser ink display on it. So it has this laser that shoots out from the front. And then if you hold your hand up to it, it can you will see that display. So there is no display on the actual device itself. And this will give you information about the world around you. Um, it has a music player, and it responds to where your hand is. So you can move your hand around and like fast forward or go back and you know use like real human gestures to control the device. The whole ethos behind this thing is that they truly believe that the world of smartphones with screens, TikTok, this constant scrolling through technology is detrimental to our health. And so they are positioning themselves as a technology company that believes in a more humane, human connection between us and technology. And by freeing us up from the tyranny of the screen, by obviously allowing us to simply touch or talk to a device, we will be more empowered to enjoy the world around us and freer to do so. And it's this classic example of technology created a problem, and then we used more technology to solve that problem. What's really interesting with this device is that if you didn't know who made it, if you just held it up, just saw a picture of it, you would be 100% convinced it was made by Apple. Every single detail of it screams Apple. Even the logo of the company itself is basically an Apple logo. Um, I did an animation where I showed how similar they actually are, and it, it's ridiculous. Even the two founders used to work at Apple. One of them spent more than 20 years working there. And so it's almost like they've taken the whole Apple philosophy, the whole Steve Jobs way of thinking, and just reduced it down to its most pure essence, while also kind of you know, throwing jabs at the old company themselves, you know, for obviously saying, um, Things like uh, the future is not on your faces. So that one of the founders, Imran Chowdhury, did a TED talk, and that was his key message: that the future is not on your face. And so you, it sort of highlights this: the difficulty of thinking about a post-smartphone world, whether it's a wearable that you put on your face, whether it's a wearable that you hold in your lapel. But there are just so many things about this device that are are difficult to understand. Firstly, it's magnetic; it's but it's also in plain view. Anybody walking past who has slightly thievish intentions could just snaffle it, bosh, done, gone. You talk to it, and that's fine if you're inside on your own. But what if you're on a train? Or what if you're in a library or in a busy place? Because it like goes beep boop. <laughs> you say, uh, tell me what I want to eat today. Beep boop. You want to eat fries. Beep boop. You imagine like a ton of people in a busy place all talking to the, the AI pin. It will get so confused. Um, it also, during the demo that they showed, it it didn't get it all right. So they they held up a pile of uh, almonds in in his hand and it identified how much protein was in these almonds, but it got it wrong. And they still put the demo out with that. Uh, it incorrectly predicted where the best place was to watch the eclipse. So obviously we know that AI gets things wrong, but this device is asking you, you, you completely trust the AI. But there are also some just really strange moments in this entire presentation, because the, the two founders, they walk in front of the camera dressed like Steve Jobs clones, and they are the most robotic people you've ever seen. Yeah, there's this. It's supposed to be humane technology that's, you know, based on humane principles and and making it more human. And they just felt like robots. And then in the the promo film for the device itself, everybody in it was just acting in the strangest way, in in ways that you just don't think 
people actually act like a guy's just walking down the street and he suddenly stops and goes oh catch me up and then it sends him a message from his girlfriend he's like and he just gives this big smile he's like oh great i tell her i'm on my way <laughs> however the weirdest bit in the entire presentation was i i couldn't believe it because the guy the guy literally he talks like this so we designed the ai pin to be more reactive to human beings and it's got magnets it, it, it literally there's no charisma no excitement whatsoever and then he does a demonstration where he wants to send a text to a friend. So he tells the AI what he wants the text to say. And the AI says, would you like to send? And then he says, make me sound more excited. So the AI comes back and just says, puts the phrase, can't wait, and then puts an exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. And he goes, great, send. Like, He's like, uh, what? Make me more excited. Make me sound more excited. Why didn't you just run that on the entire presentation? Just be more excited, yeah. <laughs> like, everyone would have been way more with you. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a tough one because I, I don't want to crap on a company that's really trying to change the paradigm of how we interact with technology. But there's just so many things that felt like they were created in a, in a hermetically sealed design lab where the real world and reality was not allowed to intrude, that there was this almost a shrine to Apple that they built. And they had they become apostates from the Apple religion to form a breakaway religion that was more pure, that was more cohesive and, and more adherent to the finest principles of Appleness <laughs> that we've ever seen. And it's just like, just wake the fuck up. Look around you. Yeah. Like, and again, like the, the promo for the thing, it's just, it showed you these vignettes of people going through scenarios that, that just have no relation to, to the real world. Like someone just casually going through a farmer's market and picking up a dragon fruit. And then this, this girl skateboarding with a baggy hoodie on. And then this perfectly styled couple, all in black, both wearing an AI pin. And she's standing there going, tell me what's around me. And then holding up her hand. It's like, nobody does that. That's not real. No, yeah. You've got a mother who walks in and sees her kid just toddling around. And then she presses the, the, the AI pin and says, capture this. It's like, no, you go and pick up your kid. And then like the photo that that thing is going to take, you don't even know where it's pointing anyway. What if your shoulders are angled the wrong way? You're never going to get the photo anyway. And it's so wide, the photo, that anything you took from that distance is going to be a crap photo anyway. You have a much better time. I don't like, also, how do you share photos? How do you how do you show someone the photo? You just go, ah, there were so many things. It's awful. Yeah, that is such a good description. I agree pretty much completely with all of that. Also, there's, there must be a really funny video for someone to make of literally the Apple Church of Apple and those people escaping and starting humane. Um, and I, I agree a lot. Like, I do think that they are, are trying to do something good. And I think there is a demand for uh, you know getting away from screens and kind of getting back to human connection like i, I agree with all of that and uh, and i want that to work uh, yeah but i don't think this is it like exactly what you said it's like these you know when people have been sort of trapped in the tech world and tech bubble and i just feel like those people aren't like in tune with what normal people do just make it fun like people just like fun like it's cool and it could be really good but like use it for more fun use cases you're exactly right with the photos like that you don't know where you're pointing so what are you gonna you don't know you want to just get your phone out it's the kind of thing like in theory in principle from a technological sort of standpoint yeah it's brilliant like, we all kind of want that in reality 
if your kid's running around and you need something solved, you're just going to grab them or you're going to get your phone. You want to write a text. You just want to write the text quickly because you're not going to go, hey, you just, you just don't do those things. So it's like, I want it to work. And, and maybe they, maybe this is the first, uh, you know, version of something that could be really cool. I, I don't think it's going to catch on beh- beyond massive tech people, but then maybe that's true of VR. Maybe that's true of everything like this at first and then slowly it develops, gets better and maybe it'll happen. It's interesting. I'm really, really torn on it, but for the moment, I definitely won't be getting one. Oh, I'm not torn at all. I think it's, I think it's ill-conceived. I think they basically came up with something and then Silicon Valley waved its whooshiness all over it and went, we can make you very, very rich. <laughs> we can make you very, very rich. <laughs> but who's going to buy this? What, what, what do we use it for? Don't worry. They will buy it because they have to. It's $649. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, no, who's that for? It's a it it recom- it has to it has to have a you have to have a cell phone connection and there's a subscription to use the services because guess what? Using AI ain't free. It ain't free, bruv. Um the beautiful thing about this is Sam Altman, of course. Of course, who else is an investor? And then just like a week before this thing came out, he was casually just on stage, I forget where it was, just saying yeah, I don't really know about wearables. I mean, somebody's going to probably crack it, but I don't, yeah, maybe we'll just think that the smartphone's just really good, and that—that's kind of what we want. Um, so I think there's definitely there's there's uh, feels so Silicon Valley, all of it. Yeah, there was there's this there's this story about how they even came up with it, and uh, was it on like a retreat somewhere away? Like yeah, it was, oh god, this brother humane was their their Buddhist guide. And uh, and he pointed them towards his acupuncturist, and the acupuncturist pointed them towards Mark Benioff. It's just like, I mean, come on! It's like, if it feels like the plot of an episode of Silicon Valley. It, it's just crazy. Um, but I mean, fair play. Also, like they, the just like a week and a half ago, they they were showing off these things at Paris Fashion Week as these kind of very sleek, wearable accessories in this very beautifully designed fashion collection. It's like oh, that's what you think this is. You think it's basically. It's like buying a Mont Blanc pen. And she's like, I'm just going to have a Mont Blanc pen because, yeah, I'm just going to, I just, just want that. And maybe like, maybe for that lot, that's, yeah, that, it's clearly the only people that will buy it, I think, because they've got the money and also they aligned with all those sort of thoughts. But I can almost guarantee based on no information, and I might be completely wrong, but they just didn't get any normal people in through the development and go, would you use this? Because they would have gone, no, like, yeah. Happy to be proved wrong. Always like the people trying stuff. But yeah, this uh, probably is not not for me just yet. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, the the last story that we wanted to maybe just dive into was around the uh, Marine Corps. Sure, massive transition. But this was interesting. And, and you know, when people I had an interesting conversation with uh, Sol Rogers in the last episode um, from Magnopus, who make amazing immersive uh solutions for like disney and paramount and warner brothers and everybody else he's a really cool guy and i was asking him at like at what point are you thinking do you think you know this technology is going to go mainstream in converted in inverted commas and he was like well it depends what you call mainstream if you look at kind of enterprise like vr is massively mainstream already like people are using buying tens of thousands of headsets running simulations and doing all this stuff in it and it's massively saving money and adding value for training and everything else and what's true of that as well is is in the military so this story the machines are marching into the metaverse here's what that could look like uh, so the marine corp is moving into the metaverse to better prepare for future challenges reflecting an evolution from historical battlefields to new digital 
arenas. Um, so they basically piloted a kind of planetary scale metaverse environment, uh, s- simulating um, and creating virtual replicas of billions of dollars worth of um, Marine Corps equipment, which you go, yeah, okay, that makes loads of sense. When you're thinking about these sort of training simulations and stuff, like that equipment, military stuff is so expensive that you can't possibly take everybody to run those kind of tests and stuff like that. This is kind of obvious stuff. It's interesting to see it as well. Um, also in this article, which I'll link below as well, they were kind of simulating weather environments as well, which is something that you obviously can't do in the physical world uh, very well um, and can simulate kind of physics and geolocation of stuff. And then, you know, obviously some of the work they're doing is in various other places across the world. So, to simulate different locations um, and that kind of thing or remote management of logistics. Um, I don't I'd have a military background, you could probably guess, but you can see how these very expensive operations are very hard to do in the physical world. And this is beginning to kind of change that. I did think an interesting risk that they identified was sort of all the data security and encryption issues of all this stuff. If you're doing massive simulations in a military setting, that data needs to be you know, really protected and encrypted in a ridiculous way. If anybody got access to full builds of stuff and what you're up to, then it'd be very problematic. But it was interesting to see that clearly this technology is being used in that realm, which is often actually where it started. Well, it's how, it's how it all began, right? The, the, the early metaverse was all military. Um, the early early VR, I think they they jumped on it, and so I think that's the spiritual home or well, the spiritual birthplace of the metaverse is in the military industrial complex. So yeah, not not surprising at all. And if you if you you know you think about the power of all of that to train soldiers and to you know put scenarios together ahead of time it makes total sense. A little alarming, but you know particularly given the current climate out there. Mm. But yes, um, the metaverse kind of is this thing that can be used for everything, really. Uh, I always try and keep an eye on um, the medical applications, so like high-end surgery and, and practicing very complicated surgical procedures. You just think that that's a huge area for, for these technologies to be to be useful. I recently did a uh, uh, pre-show for the VR awards, um, and I had no idea about the depth of industries that VR is being used in so many companies that are doing awesome stuff, loads and loads of people working in health and kind of surgery and stuff like that that are doing remote things. Um, and obviously, you know, I know the broad categories of where VR in theory can help, but like this industry is really deep now, especially in the enterprise world. Like there are hundreds of companies doing amazing uh, things. So yeah, this is, it may not feel like it in their sort of consumer world just yet, but certainly in enterprise uh, it is well off the ground. So yeah, interesting to sort of reflect on that. But uh, yeah, that, I mean, that is pretty much, I think the pod, there's plenty of good stuff in there. That is the pod. Boom. See you next week. Boom. Till next week.